and we will come to them and make our home with them. John chapter 14, verse 23. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The single truth that I wish to communicate or re-communicate this morning is that God lives within you. It's a phrase that, I know you know the, the, the words that I just said, but let it sink in just for a second. God lives within you. If you have been baptized, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, God lives within you. I, I like kind of thinking spatially and practically, and when I first started learning this truth, I was like, well, but where? You know, where does he live? Um, and one of the sort of things that the Christian theological tradition inherited from the rabbis is, well, it's good to answer a question with a question. Um, where does our own soul reside within our bodies? You know, we can't answer that, right? We don't know, like, you could, if I lost an arm, I don't lose part of my soul, and yet, my soul and my body are connected somehow, right? There's, we don't know where it is, like how our own souls and bodies connect. So, of course, we can't understand how God himself lives within us, spatially, like we, where our imagination runs very short. There is one sort of word picture that I like that kind of helps me kind of wrap my head around it a little bit. Um, if you think about life, human lives as boats, and we have the view of the fishes. Like all we would see, all the fish see of boats is the hull, right? Just these hulls kind of bobbing around from, you know, from looking at the surface from the underside. They have no idea like who the captain is or who's on board or what's even happening on the boat. All they see is a hull kind of moving around. And I think um, that's kind of a picture for us. We see our, our visible lives and we can't even conceptualize, you know, a heavenly resident God himself making his home within us. But that is the word of the scripture. So we believe that it's true. And actually, we've, this kind of came up this morning in Sunday school. Um, if it's kind of hard to get our head around, that's actually a vouch for the divine origin of the truth. Right? Humans come up with things that humans can understand. Right? If you had a dictionary, you could take any philosophy book and pretty much make sense of it. Um, with the exception of German philosophy, which no one can make sense of. Um, but divine truths, it, if being truly divine, it makes sense that we wouldn't be able to grip it on our own, that there'd be, it would be in a category beyond what we're normally used to. And um, what we know is that it's the Holy Spirit who's poured out into our hearts, right? When we um, have the privilege of baptizing people here in this church, um, Part of the prayer, we pray right out of the scripture is that it's the washing of regeneration, right? It's the Holy Spirit who comes to take up his residence in our lives. But one of the great truths of the Trinity, kind of the most mystical truth, if you will, is that all of the persons of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're so united in their oneness that they, their lives are mutually indwell each other. Right, this is what Jesus says. He says, I am in the Father. Right? Again, we're, we're in categories well beyond ordinary human existence. But, and the Father is in me. Right? And the Father sends the Son, but also Jesus sends the Son. And so there's this 
you know, how, does, how do we put all these mysterious scriptures together? What we see is that the Father lives in the Son, and the Son lives in the Spirit, and the Spirit is the Spirit of the Father. You know, we see all of the persons of the Trinity, all three, indwelling each other. So what that means is, when the Spirit comes to take up his residence in your heart, Jesus comes to take up his residence in your heart. And the Father, God the Father, the one who made the universe, he's inseparable from the Son and the Spirit. He also comes to take up residence in your life. That's what Jesus says. We, and he's talking in context about the Father and himself, right? We, Jesus and the Father, will come to them. Um, well, some translations will come to him to say this is an individual promise, not just a corporate vision. We'll come to him and make our home with him. God the Father, the maker of the universe, lives within you. This is how um, we make sense of some of the things that we heard about in today's lessons. How could an ordinary guy, Paul, who was born in the city of Tarsus, say to a crippled man, get up and walk, and he pops up and gets up, right? Paul doesn't have magic powers, right? There's no such thing really as magic powers. God the Holy Spirit lives in Paul and is empowering his ministries. When Paul says, get up, it's the Holy Spirit of God working through Paul that then causes that man who was crippled to then stand up and not be crippled anymore, right? And it was so wonderful that the citizens of Lystra were like, oh my gosh, the gods are here, right? They're actually half right, right? But Paul is not the God. It's the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ who has been manifest, right? They were half right. God has moved. Only God could heal a crippled man. They made the mistake of thinking that Paul was that God and also that the God was Zeus and Hermes. And that's why Paul corrects their theology, right? He says, no, no, no. Zeus didn't heal this guy the God of Jesus Christ, which to these Greek citizens, you know, who, is, who are the Jews? They're just some people over there in some other, you know, other country for the most part. I say, no, the God of Jesus Christ is the one who has caused this man to walk. The Holy Spirit who lives in his followers is the one who has caused this man to walk. It's the only way we can make sense of an incident like this. Um, and so much of the scriptures actually, we heard in Revelation, the dwelling place of God is with man. Right? That's not poetry. That's just raw description. Like God dwells with us. He dwells in us. This is how Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, would say, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? Think about the Old Testament. The, um, a temple got built, and what happens? God fills it with his glory. Paul's saying, think about that. That's like you. You're a temple, like a, a, a created thing, which the uncreated one comes and, and fills with his glory. I think um, this is one of these Christian truths that it's like a key that helps us unlock and understand so much of what really takes place in the Christian life. Not only sort of the miraculous stuff we see in the lives of St. Paul, and some of you I know have seen miraculous interventions of God in your life, right? Because he's near us. But so many of the promises of God, they they only really make sense if we really grip this truth that in a real way the Holy Spirit is living within us. It's the only way we make sense when we talk about our experience of God, right? It's not some astral projection up into the skies. It's because God is here with us. That's how we can experience God. When we pray for peace in a circumstance and all of a sudden outside of the normal rounds of reason and 
um, what we would expect to happen, we feel peace, that's God ministering that peace within your own soul. When we labor as Christians, right, when we seek to obey God's commands, when we seek, as we hear every Sunday, right, because we, can, it, we never exhaust the command with our lives, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. When we seek to do those things by coming to church on a Sunday to worship, by serving each other in the week, by ministering to our friends and family, if we don't have locked in the understanding that God lives within us, we might think that we're just really good guys or good men and women, right? There'd be a danger of accidentally taking the credit like they wanted to give to Paul and Hermes. But when you recognize, no, no, God lives within me, he's the originating cause of this work, right? Ben is inclined to do selfish things. The Holy Spirit living in me, by his mercy, sometimes nudges me to do unselfish things. Thanks be to God, right? I don't get the credit for that. God gets the credit. You don't get the credit for that. Nothing you've accomplished in the Christian life do you get the credit for, right? That's hard on our pride, but you really need to grip that. And the reason it's true is because the Holy Spirit lives within you. The indwelling Holy Spirit. Multiple things sort of become much more, um, in a way, easy in the Christian life when we perceive rightly. And when I say with faith, I don't mean sort of, oh, I hope that it's true, but just seeing into the spiritual realm. When you see that the Holy Spirit lives within you, as he does, that you can have, if you've been baptized, you have confidence of the fact. Um, it gives a sort of uh, strengthening against temptation. And that's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians. How could I unite God with a prostitute? Right? Like, Ugh! like, how could I take what is holy and connected to things that are impure, right? When we, if you recognize that God lives within you, there gives a sense of seriousness and dread about temptation. Like, no, no, this is not just my little tiny life that I'm messing with. I'm connected to God, and I don't want to mess with Him. It gives us, uh, not only in temptation, but throughout life, a confidence of His nearness. I think that's one of the great struggles when difficult times come, is where is God, you know? And there's that sometimes the sense of temptation of, is he, is he far away? Maybe, I, I don't know. But if you remember the promise that he's made his home within us, there's a sense, well, I don't feel him here right now. I feel kind of abandoned. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I feel abandoned, but I know that God is near. I know that he's taken up his home in me. He's not off on some outer side of the cosmos. He's right here. It's the ground for all of our delighting in the Christian promises that we delight in. Right? It's the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, who has brought us our free justification, right? who's brought us the merits of Jesus and brought, given them to us as a free gift. The one who actually took Calvary and takes it into our souls is the indwelling Holy Spirit. In him we're justified. Because of him, we've, as it says in the scriptures, we've received the spirit of sonship. Right? That cries, Abba, Father. That even when you pray, it's, it's not you praying. It's the Holy Spirit praying through you. It's you collaborating and yielding your will to the invisible Holy Spirit. So I, I want to urge sort of two things in light of this truth this morning. The first is, um, I once heard a professor call the Holy Spirit the unsung hero of the Trinity. Um, because... 
think sometimes we don't rightly grip how much rightful glory and honor we should give to the Holy Spirit who has given us these gifts of the indwelling Godhead. So I think we should increase our sense of worship and gratitude to the Holy Spirit in particular. Um, But lastly, uh, I think this verse I began with, the the Father and the Son come to make their home in us, I think it resonates especially to a British and to Southern hearts where a sense of home is a very real and deep thing. You know, come and make our home with them. The Father and the Son will come and make his home with you. I think this has double resonance in a culture where hospitality is a conscious art that is refined and practiced and sort of aware of, right? The famous Southern hospitality that I've been very grateful to be sort of received benefit from and grafted into in just these few years here. Um, I think there's wonderful things here and that y'all know, um, (laughs) that was not intentional actually, but you, you actually, you know the differences between sincere and insincere hospitality. The subtle clues of sort of, you are truly welcome in this home versus, well, I'm doing the outward gesture, but you're not really that welcome, right? You know, we all know the look, and, and you actually know the difference then of how to receive God, right? With real Southern hospitality, right? Not just the outward gesture. With the hospitality that, think about the way you would attend to your most honored guests in your homes, right? kind of listening to their requests, spoken and unspoken, being attentive to them, even at all times, even if you're in a different room, kind of keeping track, like, what do they need next? And how can I you know, make their experience staying in my home sweeter? Serving them when it's needed, making space for them. All of those things which you guys actually know from just living, getting to live in Southern culture. These can be channeled as sort of spiritual practices. Like, think about what you know about hospitality and apply it to your divine guest, right? The one who's made his home within you. Are you attending to his requests? Are you making space for him, right? Of all sort of subcultures, Southern culture, I think you could, we, could, we have a sort of extra boost to really grip this concept. Like, yeah, how do I make space for God in my life? So often the Bible gives us the image in both directions. You know, we've been grafted into God's household. That's a truth. But he's also come and made his home in us. And so we can practice, as it were, hospitality to the one who wants to make his home with us. Is he truly welcome? Or, or is he sort of, well, yeah, you're here, but you know, kept at arm's length. So when you think about the all-holy triune God who lives within you, um, make space for him. So he can, uh, if it's not too far to say, enjoy his time living in your life, right? Paul says in Ephesians, find out what pleases the Lord. Right? That, that's not a sense of to earn salvation, right? He's already given us that for free. But while he's with us, and thankfully, we'll, if we continue in the faith, we'll be with him eternally, let's attend to his presence in our lives. Amen.